Hello Trauma Thrivers and welcome and today I am delighted beyond measure to introduce you all to Mark Brain who I know and have trained with and I'm very grateful for joining us here today. Ma was a former foreign correspondent with the BBC and uh, he's now an accredited consultant in EMDR and a psychotherapist who specialises in trauma, anxiety, depression and relationships. And Mark also runs EMDR Focus and trains other therapists and has supervisees as well. And he's developed an amazing protocol, which I was guinea pig for once on one of the yeah. trainings, on intergenerational trauma and EMDR. So we really are incredibly lucky to have some of your valuable time today, Mark. Thank it's you. A pleasure. And really to find out a little bit more, if it's okay, about EMDR today, but starting with your journey. How did you get into therapy from being a foreign correspondent? That's quite an interesting move. It's, uh, it's actually the same job, Lou, because you sit down and listen to people and try and make sense of a story. The difference being in psychotherapy, you don't have to put it on the six o'clock news and you get to ha discover what happens next when you yeah. meet them again next week. Yes. But how I got into psychotherapy was uh, marital breakdown was quite a useful uh, trigger when I hit midlife crisis. And uh, let's not go into and the this, detail. This is your marital breakdown with Jutta, who you're now back married. Right, that's right. It's, okay. it's been a bit of with Jutta. Jutta with a J-U, Jutta. We met in Moscow in 1973, uh, 1974, when I was with Reuters, just starting out in my career. And... Um, Married in 1977, um, hit the buffers in 1991 for various reasons, as right. happens in midlife. Yes. She divorced me in 2000 when I was writing my master's thesis on the personal experience of the foreign correspondent as seen from a psychotherapeutic perspective. Wow. Uh, so she divorced me appropriately. I had to take it on the chin. But 13 years later, having meanwhile been married to somebody else, uh, another psychotherapist, as it turns out, and we set up the DART Center for Journalism and Trauma working with journalists and trauma um, through okay. the noughties okay. um, and taking trauma training and awareness to the BBC and lots and lots of news organizations internationally. Uh, in 2013, I thought, what's the, what's the English for sod this for a game of soldiers? Uh, <laughs> and uh, left my second wife, went back to my first wife, wife uh, moved in with my mother, uh, in, then in her late 80s, um, mid 80s, and said to my first wife, will you marry me again? She took six months to say yes, but she said yes on the top of Machu Picchu. I okay. just not. How and we are now basically living happily ever after. And she is also an EMDR consultant. Yes, who I actually have trained with too. And you've trained with her. Yes, yes we, we co-train. Yes. So there you go. That's my, that's my crazy trauma story in a nutshell. That's an amazing trauma story. I'm sorry about the noise. If anybody's hearing any noise in the background, I'm afraid I've got Alfie with me, who is trying to make himself very comfortable on a little mat I've got down here. In case I think he wants to be the centre of attention, actually. I think he always wants to be yeah, on I camera, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So how long have you been a therapist now? Um, I was discussing this actually with a client earlier today, um, the journey, how, would, how does one get there? So yes. midlife crisis at, uh, in, at age 41, uh, went to Fintorn, the fa okay, Fintorn Foundation yeah. yes. in 94, three years later, the lights went on and I came out, came away from Fintorn saying, I've got to train in this thing. Yeah. 
uh, called psychotherapy and signed up for a fundamentals course at the CCP, CCPE, the Center for Counseling and Psychotherapy Education, transpersonal psychotherapy training, integrative really. And, and for the, those that, that don't know, could you elaborate a little bit on transpersonal therapy and, and what it means? Gosh, yes. just, just very yeah. loosely, because we've got quite a mixture in the trauma thrivers group of yeah. professionals and lay people. Um, well, it's, uh, it, there's <laughs> not a lot one could say, but in principle, if you think of therapy started out with, um, with psychodynamic, if mm -hmm. you like, with Freud, and then psychoanalysis uh, with Jung, then Rogers came along, person-centred, and then CBT turned up in the late 60s, which uh, has its place, you know, yes. uh, makes it more accessible. Does it work? Well, that's another story. Um, and then, if you like, transpersonal is the third wave where uh, you move beyond the relationship, beyond the left brain cognitive behavioural stuff, into an awareness that we are part of something bigger. Yes. Now, I'm personally not religious. Um, I could perhaps say I'm a faintly spiritual. I am Asperger's as well, recently diagnosed as Asperger's. We'll get to that. So I have a sort of slightly distinctive take on the world. Um, but the transpersonal, as I understand it and experience it, just sees us in the context of, if you like, the universe. Yeah. We are all, as Joni Mitchell famously sang at Woodstock, uh, we are stardust. Yeah. We go back to the beginning of time. Each one of us, we're made up of the constituent bits of the universe. We are energy. We are an energy system. Yes. And uh, we are the product and the expression of, um, as Cahill Gibran says, life's longing for itself. Yes. Which is a lovely way of understanding yes. life. Oh, I love, love. So the transpersonal just enfolds. There's something bigger than just egos and, and psyches and so on. But we are, if we understand ourselves as uh, sitting on three and a half billion years of evolution on, of life on the planet, 14 billion years of you know the, the the universe since the big bang and there's something bigger going on yeah awful most of which we have a clue we don't understand yeah so just yeah. ride with it and the most amazing things happen now when i call my emdr training unleash your emdr release the magic yes and if it's you like magic, transpersonal yeah. psychotherapy is a kind of magic really yeah yeah, beautiful. And so you did all of that training in transpersonal and then, then something led you down the EMDR route. The, I started out on the EMDR route about three years after I graduated, four years after I graduated. Um, I was going through another major life crisis in my mid-50s. I was uh, moving house and moving job, leaving the BBC, um, and I'd started up a new marriage and I was in a bit of a state. Right. And I was going to conferences in the States of the International Society for Traumatic Stress Studies, ISTSS, as part of developing the DART Center for Journalism and Trauma. Okay. Yeah. So I was hobnobbing with uh, Bessel van der Kolk and, and uh, uh, all the luminaries yes. um, of the trauma field. Wow. Absolutely fabulous. God, I loved it. You know, yeah, I can they imagine. They were presenting their research and just just circulating with them at cocktail parties and dinners and so I really got to know some of these guys yeah and yeah. just the lights went on I thought this is just just phenomenal trauma is at the heart of the dysfunctions that people bring into psychotherapy yeah and then I was going through a bad old time and I said to a colleague I rather like the look of this EMDR uh, can you recommend anybody and this was a lady called Chastin Berg-Johansson in Sweden who's now Sweden's EMDR trainer Right. And she said, why don't you uh, get in touch with Richard Mitchell? 
in the UK who trains EMDR, basic EMDR. So I went to him for some sessions. And the amazing thing was, Lou, he was showing me eye movement. Right. Just left, right, eye movement. He was just saying, this is what we're going to do to install a safe place, to use EMDR jargon. And he did a couple of passes and I fell into his lap. Extraordinary. I lost body tone. I just simply, I was in such grief that I collapsed yes. into his arms. Wow. And I thought, oh my goodness, there's something going on here. This bilateral movement, this bilateral yeah. stimulation. is powerful. It's just powerful. Yeah. So then I uh, did some sessions with him, sorted a few things out, uh, not everything. Yeah. And so I need to train in this. So I trained in basic EMDR in 2004, went through parts one, two, and three, and then worked my way on upwards to practitioner in 2009, then uh, consultant in 2011. Wow. And then Laurel Parnell in attachment-focused EMDR in 2014. Um, and the rest, as they say, is history, really. Okay. And for the lay person who's watching, mm. how, what would you say uh, EMDR, you know, what, how, how would you describe it to somebody that didn't know what it was, that was new to trauma therapy, yeah. that yeah. was new to understanding potentially that trauma was their issue because I think what you're what I'm picking up from you and certainly in, in my experience with myself is it took me a long time even of being a therapist to mm. kind of realize that underneath it all you know trauma was really my thing as well as the thing that I, I wanted to teach absolutely uh, trauma the trouble with trauma and the word trauma coming from a journalistic background yeah uh dealing with really big international stuff cold war yeah. romanian revolution yugoslav civil wars earthquakes tsunamis um child soldiers in africa yeah i mean um, i only covered a small part of that sort of stuff but i can uh, only imagine what it's like and what it's like being a foreign correspondent for people the foreign correspondent work that i did was mainly political i did do i was on Tiananmen square in uh in the spring of 1989 although left beijing before the tanks went onto the square it was a very 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 big story but i did cover the romanian revolution where people were being shot at rather nastily and people were dying around me yeah but on the whole, my, my story was covering the Cold War, which was not a fighting war. Right. But uh, the trouble with trauma is that so many people say, well, I haven't been through trauma because I haven't covered a war. I haven't been in an earthquake. I've not been raped or whatever. Or I haven't even had a major car accident. But Francine Shapiro, the inventor of EMDR, which actually pulls together a whole bunch of different experiences. There's, there's actually nothing new under the sun. People have been using bilateral stimulation since the dawn of time to work through trauma and you know, drumming, dancing, running and whatever. Um, the, she differentiated between what she called uh, big T trauma yes. and little t trauma. And as time went on, I, uh, in psychotherapy, I realized that actually every single person I've ever worked with in psychotherapy, in effect, presents with trauma. Yeah. If one understands the key to th the key because your question is about what's EMDR. But if we understand trauma as informing pretty much every presentation, every dysfunction, every, every, almost every psychological um, syndrome. Yes. You know, ADSD. Uh, sorry. Um, uh, uh, ADSD, too. ADHD. Yeah. Um, 
depression, anxiety, OCD, you know, you name it, even psychosis and schizophrenia to some extent. Well, I would agree having been psychotic. Right. You've been psychotic. So, you know, that from the inside. Yeah. 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 But if we understand all of these stories as informed by experiences at key developmental junctures in life, where the individual, you, me, whoever, has been through an experience that was so overwhelming that it couldn't be metabolized and properly digested at the time by the nervous system, which means, in my case, my parents' divorce when I was 11, uh, moving house when I was three and a half, uh, the arrival of my little brother when I lost my special relationship with my mother, yeah. uh, in my case, being Asperger's and yeah. not knowing it till I was 70, literally, or well, 69. I had the diagnosis just before my 70th birthday, just a couple of months ago. So all of these experiences put us in life overwhelmed. Yeah. And we learn to deal with it. We deal with it, but in dysfunctional ways. We might shut down. We might become hyperactive. We might become workaholics. And later we might start doing substance abuse. So whatever the dysfunction, usually it's got its, you know, 99 times out of 100, it's got its roots in, in, in evolutionary overwhelm. I would agree. So in other words, when the system is stressed beyond its capacity to deal with what's happening, and that means that the system, the nervous system, stores, gets stuck with emotions, thoughts, and physical sensations. So when we're working with trauma, Lou, and you know this in your work, we're working with the person at the age they were when the trauma happened. So if it's a traumatic birth, we're working with a neonate. If it's a uh, a three-year-old who was suddenly cast into outer darkness when their sibling arrived and the parents and the mother's attention switched to a, a new member of the family and the three-and-a-half-year-old felt completely excluded and bereft and never told anybody because the family system didn't talk about emotions and there was no soothing. So what's happened? You've got a rupture a rupture, a fundamental rupture of myself being safe in the world, which means I go into survival mode, which means I've got a version of fight, flight, freeze, flop, friend, the fighter. Yeah, yeah I agree. Running is my fundamental response to stress. Yes. And the bigger the stress in later life, the more likely it is I default back to my earliest programming. Yeah. Whether that happened at birth, three and a half, seven, 13. So... Well, with trauma-informed psychotherapy, we find the roots. How did this person get to be the way they are? Yeah. We're not just going to put a sticking plaster on the outside. We're not just going to cut the weeds down in the garden. We're going to get to the root of the dandelion. Because if you don't, guess what? The dandelions in your lawn will come up again. Yeah. And I'm speaking as somebody who once had to de-dandelion an entire lawn. I turned the lawn over to pull the dandelions out, to get yeah. right down to the roots. And that's, in effect, what we do with EMDR. So EMDR is about case conceptualization, safety, yeah. got to be safe, and then getting to the roots of how the person got to be the way they are. And then we unpack the thoughts, the feelings, the physical sensations as they are stored in state-specific form, as they were experienced at the time, you know, the car crash. And then we do bilateral stimulation. And then the brain takes over and heals because that's what it does for a living. And for anybody watching, that might sound quite, 
what would you say to somebody who is uh, nervous or novice or never heard of the MDR? Yeah. How can you and I, who both, I think, I mean, you probably far more than me even, um, sing its praises above most other therapies that we've both ever tried? How could we convince the layperson listening, go for EMDR? Um, it's a pity it's called EMDR. It is, isn't it? Really, because it sounds eye movement, you know, this weird thing, you waggle your fingers in front of, you know, and then you're cured. No, it's much more subtle than that. Yeah. Francine Shapiro herself, who 30 years ago came out with the protocol just over 30 years ago, she regretted calling it eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing because we now know that it's bilateral stimulation. It's sensory input. Yes. It can be sounds in each ear, headphones, click, 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 click. It yeah. can be buzzes in the hand. It can be taps on the knee. Um, it can be eye movement where you track the therapist's finger backwards, fingers backhand, backwards and forwards across the field of vision, which is replicates REM sleep yeah. a bit. Yeah. Um, what I would say is EMDR done well, and it can be done badly, like all therapies. Yeah. And it can be done just protocol-like, just it's done at the client rather than with the client, which is not good news. Um, but the EMDR done well is an amazingly kind and enabling way of dealing with trauma. Yes. The analogy I would use is that, you know, nobody comes into psychotherapy because of what happened in the past. If you think about it, yeah. No, I'll just say it again. Yeah. Weird to think about it. Nobody comes into psychotherapy because of what happened in the past. They come into psychotherapy because they can't deal in the present with the impact of what happened in the past. It's about the present. So people don't come to psychotherapy saying, I had a really difficult childhood, but I'm fine. Now, I mean, they might say that, but it's not true because their relationships are falling apart, they're alcoholics or whatever. But they don't come into psychotherapy if everything's fine, if the past has been appropriately understood, metabolized, and it's in the past. So what we do with attachment-informed EMDR, which is the kind of EMDR I specialize in, is we use the client's intuition and the rich, creative imagination of their nervous system to find how they got to be that way. And I could do a little experiment with you. I could just show you how it works and people could watch us doing it. Okay. I'm always up for anything, yeah. Mark, um, you know. <laughs> obviously, the, in the first you are, you <laughs> volunteered to be my guinea pig, <laughs> oink, oink, in I front did. of 30 people or so oh, a few I months did. ago. I did. And thank I you again. Good old tear as well. You we had a good old sob and... Um, we did it. I think we did it in 40 minutes flat. It was a yeah, little we bit. Yeah, we did. Uh, <laughs> we did. I think I did say to you at the end uh, that I was a bit like, oh, I've got to get to the end quick. <laughs> Under pressure. It was, and I, I, I you know, I'll say on air publicly now, I'm sorry that I rushed you. <laughs> and the group gave some useful feedback that um, I was just going, a little bit too, uh, it was a bit drag racing. It was a bit flat out, wasn't it? You know, you could smell the rubber. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> sort of rubber. Burnt rubber. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, the, 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 the thing about uh, attachment-informed EMDR is we understand that the presenting issue that the client brings, whether it's the relationships falling, falling apart with their husband or 
having a really bad time at work in the relationship with the boss or they're triggered by their children. Yeah. Often happens. Yeah. Um, or they've just moved house or they're having nightmares or, or their obsessive compulsive behavior, whatever it is, if it's not purely organic. Yeah. Whatever it is, we, we, we're curious as clinicians, how did you get to be this way? So um, what we do is we, 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 we intuit and we explore and we take a bit of a case history, we, we trauma history. So tell me a bit about your life. You know, what was your growing up like? Siblings, parents, you know, how did they get on with each other? What was it like for you growing up? You know, what's it like for you now? We get a feeling and a sense yeah. for them. You know how it is, Lou. I know. Psychotherapists, what you, you get a feeling f when you've been doing this for a while, you really do tune in, don't you? Yeah. To sort of, oh yeah, I think I get it. Yeah. And then um, we, in the EMDR that I do, we set up safety and a whole bunch of resources. So we, we fire up the creative imagination. So we, I get you to imagine, say you're my client, I get you to imagine a really nice, safe place a special place, a calm, peaceful place in your imagination where you could just go and, ah, oh, it's just there for me. Mine's a beach in Thailand. Mine's a beach in the Maldives. <laughs> there you go, yeah. I, I know nine out of 10 cats prefer a beach. Yeah, yeah, always. It is extraordinary, there's usually a beach, but it might be a mountainside, a beautiful garden, somewhere often, usually in nature. Yes. And then what we do is we get them to, these days online, we do it with the, Butterfly hug. And yeah. Shall I show, shall yeah. show how the butterfly works? Take your thumbs like that. No, I do it like this these days. Take your thumb, like, thumbs like that. <laughs> that's it. Now, now I'm not going to really embarrass myself. That's it, that's it, And then you put your, you put your hands, hands against your chest like that. And then the fingertips just below the collarbone. Okay. Just below the collarbone here. So you can press in into the heart chamber. Can you feel that collarbone yeah. across? I assume yeah. you've got one. Yeah. I, have. <laughs> I have. It amazes me every time. Every time I do this, we're all the same. I know. You know, we've all got collarbones. We're all products of evolution. Some of them that means, that, mean, that means that our nervous systems deal with trauma in the same basic way. Yeah. Because we're products of evolution. That's your transpersonal bit. So here, well, this is the butterfly hug. Tap, 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 tap. I quite like it there, actually. I've been doing it higher up with people. It's, we used to, I used yeah, to do that. Like that. Yeah, yeah. But this is lovely. You just you hook the thumbs together. And, that, that is, that is nicer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I'd get you to, so Lou, just pause the tapping at the moment. Just hold on a moment, close your eyes. Just imagine somewhere really lovely. Let's say your beach in the Maldives. We've already talked about the place. So just imagine yourself there. Notice the time of day, the quality of the light, the weather, the colors, the temperature the stillness, the noises, what you can hear, what you can touch, the sense of the movement of the air on the skin. There's a dog. Thanks, Alan. The, the yap of your dog, the sense of the ground beneath you, any fragrances on the air, <laughs> any dogs yapping in the background. <laughs> and then I just say, when you've got a really good sense of that, just gently tap it in. Off you go. Do you want to just tap that in? There you go. Noticing where it feels good in your body and breathing into that space. Oh, it works, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah we give the kind of a little, little bit of time to sort of tune into that. How is that? 
beautiful, especially at the moment, without being able to get on a plane anywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is your this is your coronavirus Maldives. We won't be getting on a beach soon like that, no, will we? We won't. No, you're right. A socially distanced, uh, safe place. Yes. Um, and then we do the same tapping in, called this tapping in. It's, this is the bilateral stimulation. This is what makes EMDR distinctive from any other form of therapy. And it's not tapping. It's not the, you know, the EFT where yeah. you do this sort of tapping and, yeah. you know, and whatever. And then. <laughs> That's right. It doesn't float my boat. EFT does not float it? my boat. Yeah. But this is just a gentle bilateral stimulation. And when I tap here on the right-hand side, it sends a signal to my left brain. Right. Because that's how the body works. Yeah. When I tap on the left side, it sends a signal to my right brain. Okay. So the brain says, oh, incoming, left, right, left, right. So it puts it into a kind of, a sort of REM dreamy dream yeah, state. It's not hypnosis. Brain. Yes. But it does put the brain into a different state. And there, in that state, the brain will process Difficult stuff from the past. Yeah. Which and is this, confusing, isn't it? this is the piece that makes EMDR distinctive. And your question yeah. was, what is EMDR? It's a very kind, gentle, especially online, by the way. I, I love yeah. doing EMDR online. Yeah, I How are you finding EMDR? I love it. I love it even yeah. more. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. Because this, this I mean, we can use eye movements and I could show you how they work. Um, um, and we can do tapping. There's going to be buzzers coming out soon with an yeah, app that you can generate from a distance. Um, you can just tap the table. Yeah. And I often so, get people just to tap the side of their knees. Yeah, tap the outside of their knees, as long as it's bilateral, because left brain does thinking, basically. Right brain does feeling, just to sort of, it's a bit of a cliche. I know, but it's a good one. You get the brain to, 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 to work together, the two hemispheres of the brain, very, very different, the master and the emissary, to use Ian McGilchrist's terms. Yes. Um, and the brain then sort of says, oh, my goodness, we've got all this old stuff we've been hanging around with for the last 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Oh, my God, we can actually, should we do something? Yeah. Hey, guys, we can let, let these things go. So we then, yeah. Well, I was just intrigued because I know I know that it's we've we've got probably ten or fifteen minutes more. So I was intrigued for you to talk a little bit more about your creation from attachment focused and working with the younger cells to then take it back a step even mm. more, yeah. looking at the intergenerational model within people. I'm fascinated by how you made that journey. Okay, so um, just to finish sort of what how we set the scene we then yeah. tap in nurturing resources where they might using creative imagination they might be a beloved grandmother they might be um uh, aslan they yeah. might be a cat a mummy otter a polar bear sort of ma maternal if you like caring creatures animals real people mrs doubtfire mary poppins it can be whatever people come up with yeah um, and we tap them in three or so of them we tap it. in some protector figures. Yes. That might be a samurai warrior. It might be a gladiator. It might be my big brother who you know, would always be sort of fighting for me. It might be, might be my dad sometimes. A bit careful with family members because they yeah. can be a bit ambivalent. Yeah. But it might be um, uh, a superhero, Superman, the Hulk. You know, yeah. it can be animal imaginal dead alive historical contemporary real imaginary you know okay. all those things and and a wise figure or two 
So we use the creative imagination. It's very Jungian. Yeah, it is. Very, very Jungian. Yes. Yes. And we tap all of these guys in. So we start the work before we even look at anything that might be getting in the way of you being the person you have the capacity to be. We've got a whole stack of resources. Yeah, which is in. lovely, isn't it? Yeah. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And so the, the way, what we then do in attachment informed EMDR is we do what we call a bridge where we use the presenting issue. Or shall I just quickly show you? Because the intergenerational EMDR yes. is an extension of this way of working. Yes. So it's all about target identification. So we talk about the target. What's the bit in the past that needs to be changed? Yeah. You can call it emotional reconstruction, surg plastic surgery. Yeah. Reconstructive, sur yeah. emotional, emotional plastic surgery on the past. Yeah. We actually change the past. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you must get that in your experience. Actually, do you want to just, just am I, is there anything you want to add about your practice at this point? No, no, no. I think this, no, I think this is absolutely brilliant. And I think you're hitting the nail on the head personally. And you're fine. This is, the, you know, this is not just me making this stuff no, up. No, 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 no. This is me and any other EMDR therapist. And I've got a few as mates who are... Yeah. You know, it's all predominantly the way that we're working now. A lot of us is EMDR, yeah, yeah. you know, because it does work. It, it's, it's, for me, it is the piece that transforms psychotherapy. I agree. So I am an EMDR therapist, not just standard protocol out of the book, but it's embracing and including and integrating everything I've ever learned about psychotherapy, person-centered, yeah. psychodynamic, creative imagination yes i mean i wish i had a sand tray i'd love to work with sand trays yeah. whatever form for therapists watching this whatever form of therapy you already know emgr can integrate with that yeah i agree with you. it's basically safety and relationship firing up the networks in you know with a focus on how did they get to be this way the old networks applying bilateral stimulation and ending with safety the rest is detail yeah yeah so so what we do to find what it is that needs to change in the past, we use this bridging um, and we use the bridge to find the much younger ego state, the part that is still little Lou or yeah. little Mark. Yes. In my case, what a really big one being Asperger's, I got bullied at school quite a lot. Did you? And I did. It was not much fun, but because um, people couldn't make sense of me and I couldn't make sense of them. Yeah. Yeah. So my signature experience at school was being called Lucy, age seven. Oh, God. I mean, can you imagine? Oh. He called a girl's name, Lou. Oh, I mean, what would you, how would you like to be called? Um, Louis. Louis. Awful. <laughs> awful. Awful. God. We could smile about it now, but I can't. I know, but at the time, can you imagine? My heart goes out to you. So I was carrying the shame of that for nearly 60 yeah. years before I cleared oh. it. So um, we bridged from my presenting distress and I'd been, I knew this story about being called Lucy. It had sat with me for years, okay. but we bridged from my presenting distress into being seven on the playground again. And Laurel Parnell, with whom I was doing a demo session in New York, 2015, I, I said, Oh, Laurel, I've talked about this till the cows come home Yeah, in therapy. Yes. But it had never changed. That's the thing. So many people do therapy. Yeah. Nothing changes because you just talk about it. EMDR does something about it. So she said, so okay, let's just stay with this. 
And so what she did was, I closed my eyes and she said, just think of the scene of being called Lucy. What are you feeling? Shame. Where's that happening in your body? In my heart. What's your belief about yourself? I'm less than. Oh. Go with that. Okay. Tap, 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 tap. Bilateral stimulation. Yeah. And I think I had buzzers and headphones. It was in person in New York. Okay. And within 10 seconds, Lou, I was absolutely sobbing my heart out. Oh. Finally. Yes. Finally. And I was nearly 65. So this is 58 years late. And finally, I was able to feel the emotions that that little seven-year-old yeah, felt but was not able to articulate or tell anybody about. And sat, he sat on them for the following 58 years. Uh, yeah. Transformational. And I used, in order to sort the bullies out in the playground, I used Superman and my great-great-uncle, um, who happened to, be, happened to have founded Nigeria. <laughs> Lord Lugard. Amazing. Who's <laughs> my great great uncle? Yeah, yeah. And seven year olds on the playground. Well, they, you know, they've got nothing to stop. You know, Lord Lugard strode onto that playground and said, Excuse me, this is going to stop. And from that moment, Lou, the bullying, the internal bullying that was going on, because I'd internalized those. Bullies, yeah, of course. I felt bullied in, you know, I felt yeah. bullied in situations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It snapped, broke the spell, the magic. That is Lifted magic. the spell. I, you know, I mean, that's just one example. But no, so we do this lovely example, and I think it's a great example, and I think it's really good to use our own personal examples about it's never too late. Number one, Absolutely. I love that fact that we can do it at whatever age, and even if you're in your fifties or sixties or seventies, it doesn't matter. You can still do the work now that's and right. have such a transformation. And I've invented a new term for what one experiences this late in life when you really realize, and I'm amazed this term isn't more widely understood. The experience I've had with the diagnosis of Asperger's yeah. is a mixture of grief, sadness, at missed opportunities, broken relationships, you know, misunderstandings, um, grief, but also yeah. relief. Yeah. Huge relief. Yeah. So the yeah. emotion is relief. Ah, that's relief. Yeah, about eh? Yeah, I'm amazed that there hasn't been that isn't a formal, a formal. I think there's a book in it. I think I'm. I am in the process of preparing to write a book. Yes, yeah. About all of this. Anyway, but the intergenerational. You asked about the intergenerational because we're rapidly coming to the end of our time. Uh, Basically, all we do, given that I'm working with my clients with imagination. Yes. My seven-year-old is not literally on the playground of the Fulmerston Primary School in North Norfolk in 1957. That seven-year-old is still alive in my imagination. It's only an imagination anymore. It's a memory. It's a memory circuit, a dysfunctional memory network, to use Shapiro's language. Now I am also carrying the dysfunctional memory networks of my family system. Possibly translated, translated, transmitted down the line epigenetically. Yeah. But definitely behaviorally, culturally, narr- in narrative form, family stories, just how my mother has been with me, how my father has been with me. So <clears throat> I talk about the four levels of trauma. There's level one trauma, which is the bad stuff that happened to you. Right. Car accident, rape, parental yeah. divorce, bad stuff. Yeah. Then there's level two trauma, which is the absence of repair internally. So how it sits with me and the 
patterns I learned in childhood how to deal with distress. So somebody might have been sexually abused by their brother age six. That's a level one trauma. But the worst thing is that when they tried to tell their mother, they yeah. were sent to their bedroom and told to stop making things up. Yeah. And actually that's worse than the, than the abuse. I agree. Because it's the absence of relational repair, of attachment repair. It's an attachment wound. Yeah. And the level three trauma is the introject is mother's stuff or father's stuff. This isn't mine, it's me mother's. Yes. I watched her doing this. My mother was desperately anxious, so I became anxious. It's not my anxiety, yeah. it's hers. Yeah. I learned from her to be anxious in the world because she was. And then the level four trauma, which is the true intergenerational. So if you like the mother's introject, you can do EMDR on the mother. And I actually imagine I get the client to take their little self out of the situation to bring the mother in. And then the client is my, the adult client is my interpreter right. and conveys to me what's going on with their mother or father. And I, in their imagination, do EMDR on the mother. Brilliant. And I get the mother to bridge back into her childhood or the father into his childhood. How did he get to be that way? And it is amazing. Do you have you since the training? Have you have you used it, Lou, yourself? I've used it once or twice, but I must admit, I I want to come back and do more training. And I'm doing a part two. I'm doing a part two in in two and a half weeks' time. Come and join us. Okay, I'd love to. Yes, Friday, because Saturday, think, online. Okay, because Top it's space. so powerful. I'll have. I will definitely be up for that. You get to practice it. You yeah. get to really practice it in triads. Yeah. Yep. No, because also I've wit I've I've witnessed it personally yeah. Yeah. and how powerful it is. We went into your mum's childhood, didn't we? we Do did. you remember what we it went, was? Yes. What the we story did, was? We we did mum's and we went ended up with my grandmother, Peggy, in Scotland in Jedburgh. Wow. So I don't know whether you remember the story at all, but my mum was the Bernardo's kid. Oh, yeah. Who, yes, who was left in a children's home by her grandmother. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then they never that. met. So not until mum was, I don't know, 20s or 30s. So I had all of that narrative, which you yeah. so brilliantly worked with. Yeah. And the, the extraordinary thing is, if you understand that as a kind of spell that's cast, it's not, a, not kind of an evil spell that's external to us. It's just a story that's got stuck in the system yeah. unconsciously. Yes. And we retell the story. You find the story yeah. and the feelings that are associated with it. Because I think you had quite a lot of them, didn't you? <laughs> a few. <laughs> just a few. a few. So for anybody watching too that's a therapist that's not a layperson, they can find you on EMDR Focus and all the trainings and the EMDR trainings. And at Brainwork, B-R-A-Y-N-E work, brainwork.com. So my psychotherapy website is brainwork.com. Okay. My EMDR training website and supervision website is emdrfocus.com. Okay. And, and, and just lastly, if we've got time, what do you think now is the future of trauma therapy and trauma work and, and the way that we're going to be working as trauma therapists and helping people out there who have got trauma is there anything that you see both for your own career and where you want to go now but also for people in general in in our field how do you see it kind of operating um, shifting um, say it again things are shifting quite things a lot. are shifting um i see trauma an understanding of trauma 
in the context in which we've discussed it here, bad things that happen that haven't been metabolized, that have got stuck in the system, yes. as being the central component of pretty much all psychotherapy. And, and of all diagnoses, I think the DSM-5 and the ICD-11, that thick at the moment, well, DSM-5 is literally that thick, I haven't got it here, uh, but it will be about that thick. Yeah. Because if we understand um, pretty much everything that comes through the door is trauma-informed, you find the root of the trauma, you heal that using creative imagination and EMDR-style bilateral stimulation, because that's how the brain works. Do we do it every night in REM sleep? Yeah. yeah. Integrate all of these understandings. Yeah. And um, it, the whole system of mental health and emotional well-being shifts to an understanding of what we call trauma-informed care. Yes. And I think it's going to be central to whatever emer the kind of society that emerges from this uh, the, the corona pandemic that we're in at the moment. It's a transformational moment for the human species. Will we rise to the challenge? There's the opportunity to, but I fear we won't. I mean, I, a rather bigger subject. Must have another, another webcast on this later. Yeah, but I think as a species, we've had it. Yeah. We are. This is our last century. And a bit like um, people in a hospice, we can die well. Yes. And we can die badly. Yeah. And the, we are being invited as a species, as individ each individual in our lives, we are invited to die well. The Dalai Lama says, think of your death every day. Yeah. And if we prepare for our death appropriately and with, with, with insight and compassion and excitement about now, I'm not dead yet. Wow, what a day. Yes. Um, we can live our lives to the full. Yes. And as a species, as an individual, it's the same thing. So trauma really matters. Yeah. I'm and well done you. Well done <laughs> you for creating this network of trauma thrivers. Because the one thing that comes out of trauma, the most likely outcome from trauma, is it PTSD? Is it depression? Is it anxiety? Uh-uh. It's PTG, which is? Yeah, post-traumatic growth. There you go. Yeah. So I'm more optimistic and I hope that we become a society where we see mental health or addiction or any dysfunction or DSM-5 as a symptom of trauma and that we see it as a dysregulated nervous system. And that we all start to work collectively and individually on our nervous systems. Yeah. And that somehow we pull it back. Let's hope. Because I've got to live in optimism. You're a bit younger <laughs> than me. You're a lot younger than me. So. I can afford but, to be gloomy. Yeah, thank you so much. And My thank pleasure, you for Lou. your time. And yes, I'm, I'm, I'm really hopeful that this will help an awful lot of people. Good. As I know that you already do. And I shall see you on the training. See you on the training. Excellent. Right. Thanks very thank much. You. All the very best. Thank then. you. Bye. Take care. Bye.